Oh my God, welcome to Soberish. Holy fuck, I forgot I had a podcast. My bad. My bad. I've been gone for weeks. This is the longest I've ever been gone. In my defense, I've tried. I've tried to record a podcast, but I'm pretty fucking busy on this spaceship of sadness. Who knew when I saw the darkness from September to December that darkness was going to be inside of me? I think it's inside of you guys, too, from what I've heard. I've had to cancel a lot of readings just so I can cry and project my shit onto other people. And uh, the reactions I get from you when I have to cancel those readings lets me know that we're kind of in the same space, right? Um, this is going to be probably a short episode about those things. I'm going to stop trying to get an hour out of myself when I'm in it and just try to get something out. I got to do a po- uh, Patreon episode tonight, too. I've recorded I don't know how many episodes in this energy. They all suck. Everything sucks in Mars Retrograde. Jesus fucking Christ. I know my job is to tell you that everything's going to be okay and everything is going to be okay, but God damn, it is not fucking okay right now. It's actually all right today, but shit, fuck. Uh, Mark was listening to a podcast and um, I can't remember the guy's name. But he talks about ascension and he said ascension is actually insension. It's something it's going inside of yourself. And a lot of the, um, I love that, first of all. I want to try to find that guy and have him on. Um, A lot of what's happening, and I'm still so fucking obsessed with that initiation show on Gaia. It's the only thing I can, like, absorb, but I can only handle it in, like, five-minute increments every three days. Um, He talks about an Orion War. And that it seems like, from what I can tell, what I'm starting to remember of our galactic history is that there are two different types of existence in the third dimension. That is the external, the external experience, which is everything's outside of ourself, and the internal experience. And what we call awake is someone who's having an internal experience. And what we call asleep would be someone who is only having an external experience. And a lot of what's happening for those of us who have died to our external experience is we're trying to figure out, like, how do you fly this internal plane? If now that we've realized that the God of our lives is something inside of ourselves and that the control panel to reality is inside of ourselves, like, that's what this is, right? That's what this exploration is, is us trying to figure out, how do I fly this fucking plane, And now that I'm flying this plane, where the fuck do I want to go? Because when you were asleep or having an external experience only, you were a passenger in the plane of your own life. And now you're in charge of fucking flying it. And there's so much shit with that. And for some people, they have to experience a death of their external life in order to get to the place where they start to fly their own plane either being held in a passenger seat by their belief that they are here to survive, their uh, success in surviving can hold them in the passenger seat because they are afraid of releasing their security. So this death is happening all over the place. The world is falling apart. It's on fire. All of these things are happening. And they're really symptoms of the birth of the gods, You know, these unconscious gods who've been living on hamster wheels. There's a cat playing with the cord. 
Take that. Thank you very much, ma'am. Um, this process is fucking brutal. It's goddamn brutal. And I, I get it. I get why it's this way. I mean, there are days where I'm like, I'm actually flying too close to the sun. This is like, for a while, everybody was just catching up to where I felt like I had been in a holding pattern for a long time. And now I'm just like, Jesus Christ, consciousness is exhausting. Being perceived is exhausting. Creating the reality that you want is exhausting. Waking up when you're projecting is like the shit is fucking timelines are like poof. You could just hop them just by like daydreaming or fucking like indulging in a in a garbage fantasy. And next thing you know, you're like you have to play out a nightmare scenario. It's like and it's a full time fucking job being awake right now. And I don't think it'll stay this way, but kind of anchoring in this consciousness is hard. It's hard. And it's especially hard during this retrograde. The death energy that we are experiencing right now is pretty internal. And um, I don't know what's going to play out in the external. Hold on, I have to remove this cat. Uh, the cat did not like that, and that cat is actually my galactic boss, and it is, uh, I'm going to be in trouble later. But, you know what I mean? Do you like it when your boss rubs her head on your microphone at work? I don't think so. Anyway. The, uh, I don't know what's going to happen on the external. I don't know how much chaos is going to play out. The anticipation I felt coming when it actually hit... I was like, oh, fuck, I'm in my worst nightmare, which is pretty similar to how I was feeling in March and April. Deep, dark shit. Like, I'm just trying to hang out. And all of a sudden, there's like, hey, have you thought about this terrible thing you did 20 years ago? And then I'm just going to grind on that all night. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like falling asleep and projecting. I said I was going to do an episode about projecting. And then I fucking got straight to projecting for 10 days. And I like, it was like, okay when I would like come out of it a little bit, I would like write down some notes and I'm like, okay, I'm supposed to do a map on projecting. And I've tried to record that episode multiple times and it sucks. So we'll get to that when it's time, I guess. I think right now I'm supposed to talk about the pain that we're in. I get sometimes when you guys are like, it just isn't worth it. Energetically, what it feels like right now is we are just trudging through trudging through this fucking long process. It's really not that long. When you consider we're closing out a 2,000-year cycle, and most of us in this community listening to this podcast, like you've been awake for less than a few years, but one week in this fucking energy just feels like a 1,000 years. And then you you start to get into the higher dimensions, and then you hit the deep sorrow pockets. If you guys hit the deep sorrow pockets when you're having a fantastic moment, you're having a moment with love or with your career or with your home, you're like, oh my God, I love this. And then time dissolves for a second and all of a sudden you're in a memory of the thing you're currently experiencing. Have you guys had this one yet? It's like melancholy, 
Mark calls it nostalgia. It's like you feel the entire timeline all at once. So you feel the moment you're going to lose this thing or you're going to have to let it go. That one sucks. Not really loving that. There's a, uh, there's the nothing exists, right? There's the big pockets of, um, existential dread. Is that what that is? Is that what existential dread is? It's like, um, what's that goddamn word? Like it's a perfect place to be right before manifesting where nothing is real. I can't remember the word right now. Anyway. We are on a spaceship of sadness. We come here to experience this shit. And we come here to experience pain. And we come here to experience conflict. And we come here to experience difficulty. And then we come here to experience waking up from those things. And then we get blissed out for a little bit. And we learn how to live in peace. Which is not what we think it looks like. I think living in peace is about accepting the perspective of other people keeping your own fucking energy in your own field and live and let live. We're not really ready for that yet. Uh, and then that doesn't last very long because we get bored. And we're like, what the fuck are we doing here if we're not going to fight? And we go back into it. And then we leave the planet and we go to a different civilization. And unfortunately, I think we just do shit like this all the time. I think that the depth of the sorrow can only be felt when you forget who you are and when you forget your history. And we're in the process of remembering our history. That's why we have to face all the horrific things we've done in the last couple thousand of years. But beyond that, we have lived a million lives. And when we get back into that energy, this whole thing's going to have a little more like, what is that goddamn word where nothing exists? Anyway, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to think of it as soon as the thing is... Nihilistic. Jesus Christ. So then you bounce into the nihilistic pockets and you're like, nothing's real. What is the point of any of this? What am I doing? I've tried to let 2020 do whatever the fuck it wants with me. And I'm a little, uh, I'm a little prone to the pivot. So if there is a slight hint that a pivot would fix a situation, I'm quick to do it. And uh, this was definitely a year of pivots. Oh, my God. I got a YouTube comment while I was trying to record a podcast. Anyway. Oh, my God. The ADD is so fucking intense right now. It's crazy. Anyway. 2020 is like a huge year of pivots. And I've just been pivoting all over the place. I've been like, all right, well, this doesn't, I'm not supposed to be do this. Let me make this gigantic life change. Most of it's just me moving back and forth across the country. It does feel like it settles down in 2021. Everything that I saw about 2020 was like death, destruction, guilt, shame, realizing you were a monster. And we're seeing a lot of this play out. There are a lot of people not doing the work with that. So that part might get worse because the only way to get through guilt and shame is to just like face things, process them, do better, you know. So I don't know. Everything's pretty intensely splitting at the moment. None of these splits are permanent, by the way. Everybody has to wake up because we're turning it into a different planet. So I'm starting to think the people that chose not to wake up until the last minute are the geniuses and we're the fucking idiots. 
2021 feels like a breath of fresh air. It feels like there will still be death for people who are super identifying with something. Like people who are saying stuff like when it gets back to normal, those people are going to stay in death energy until they go like, oh shit, a new world was giving birth to, you know? Old, you notice how fucking old everyone who's in charge of this goddamn country is? They're all just like old and falling apart. I feel like their limbs are going to fall off when they're talking behind the podium. It feels, you know, it feels like a metaphor. That system's dying. All those systems are dying, but they're just like, the collapse doesn't feel as collapsy at the moment because people are just kind of unplugging. And in 2021, this, whenever that eclipse is, January, I think, mid-January, the 70 download will come in. It'll take a few months before we start seeing evidence of it, possibly, but... There's just kind of a, I'm not fucking dealing with this anymore from the gods. The gods are just like, we're just going to build something new. Like we're done, we're done yelling at the side of this thing. We're done trying to get the system to be something else. And the gods just kind of take over. There's mass awakenings coming with that. The earth is really only going to cooperate with people that are connecting to it. Our bodies are going to drastically change. Something's going to happen in medicine. Uh, A couple downloads I've gotten about the 7D download is uh our bodies are hard drives that store all of our experiences from this life and past lives and that that is the key to uh disease weight everything and once we figure that out and it feels like that dot gets connected by science but i don't know if that's true or not there are a ton of people still like bought into the old reality and it's going to take them a few years. Some of them aren't going to come to the new reality until 2027. So we might be living in a completely split society where some people just go by a different set of rules and a different way of doing things. That's already kind of kicking into kicking into place. But um we're in this fucked up energy until mid-November and then a less frustrating version of it through October. Sorry, through December. And then it just kind of breaks at the end of December. All of that's also backed up by astrology. And that also feels true. And then January is just like, fuck. There's just clarity. There's forward movement. There's still death. But there's just a separation. Like, I don't know if the split. I think we're just, like, experiencing the split over and over again. But there's just kind of a, all right, well, let's just do our fucking thing. So the death will still be happening. Part of this is, like, you're going to die a thousand times between now in 2027 um part of the reason we aren't going to physically die anymore is you know by the i don't know by the time i'm 60 i feel like that will be uh public knowledge but part of the reason that we will cease to need physical death is because we are learning how to die and recreate an avatar over and over again within one lifetime And this is intense death energy. A lot of what you knew yourself to be and a lot of what you knew yourself to be in respect to your vulnerability, your, your ability to be in the like heart space and, um, your emotional body. So this is like an intense anchoring of the fifth dimension right now. And I want to get into some stuff around, 
um, attachment systems because they've been a huge theme. Attachment systems and creating external enemies in our personal relationships. Um, anyway, so to wrap that first section up, we're just in it for a while. It's just sad. Like, it's just be sad. That's part of the reason it's important that we get into our heart space because uh, we'll do a whole lot of damage trying to avoid, like, I'm sad. I just am sad right now. And there is something very sad about the... Believe like moving into conscious relationships and moving into conscious ownership of things and conscious career is there is this knowledge that this isn't going to last forever, probably, you know, and that this is going to run a course. And there's so much freedom in knowing that when we don't cling and we're not uh, obsessed and at attached, but that attachment and that obsession feels like security and so we're kind of living without security and I do think in my experience in 2020 I maybe am like too open for a pivot and too open-handed and so I'm kind of finding some balance where there's so when you start a relationship and you go like okay this is okay if it doesn't last forever or you start a business and you go okay I'm, this, I'm open to however this wants to play out you can like spin out and not get anything done because you don't have a direction because you're so open to whatever outcome. And I'm not talking about just like driving things forward. I'm just talking about uh, letting too much of the nothingness in and therefore you're not like actively creating anything. And by creating, I mean creating from your like manifestation place. I don't think that made any sense. Glad I took a fucking segue for that. All right. So... Let's say source is a big ball of light, right? And I've talked about this before, but this is something, this is the key to where we're going into right now. This is the fucking key, and this is going to be challenging for some people, and this is going to uh, cause some of us to struggle, and, like, I struggle with it as well. And so I'm not telling you to make this fit, but, like, spend some time with this, okay? We are all one big ball of light. And that big ball of light is a million different frequencies. And those frequencies are not all the same frequency. Like if you went from the bottom left ball of the ball to the top right, it would sound completely different. Now, if you passed through the entire ball to get there, it would be this like harmonic changing of tones. But if you just like pushed a button on the bottom right and pushed a button on the top left, they wouldn't go together at all. Okay, that's what consciousness is. And then consciousness says, I want to experience all of these things I'm daydreaming. So we created the physical reality and we created the less dense physical realities of the higher dimensions. And so everything that is happening is a daydream of this ball. Now imagine that this ball of light is a disco ball and that those are mirrored squares on the disco ball. The bottom left and the top right are having a completely different reality. The bottom left is looking at the floor and the top right is looking at the ceiling. Now imagine those two, if they believed that there was only one reality, they would spend their entire time interacting, arguing over which is real, the floor or the ceiling. That is what our existence is. My perspective 
though you might resonate with a lot of it, my perspective is inherently individual to me and no one else. So when we talk about resonating, that either means you're close to me on the mirror ball or you're somewhere else in the mirror ball that has like a resonant frequency. But there's a ton of people, I'm just not for them and they're not for me. And it's a gigantic waste of time to ever try to get them to see the ceiling. They're never going to see the ceiling. How much energy do I take away from experiencing my view of the floor to argue with the person looking at the ceiling. I think I'm backwards. I'm the ceiling. They're the, who cares? Peace on earth will be the result of reconciling this truth of reality. I'm not saying that other perspectives are right. I'm not justifying those perspectives. In your experience... As someone looking at the ceiling, you've probably been hurt by someone looking at the floor because we spent a whole lot of fucking time colonizing shit, evangelizing shit, trying to like stealing things. You know, we've got a long history of horrific things being done by people infringing on other people's energy. So I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking to victims of that experience. But in your average day, how much time do you spend frustrated by someone whose mirror ball square is just pointed in a different direction? I'm not saying this is something that we have to fix. I'm just saying that this is something, this is a fact. And this is something that is integral to our evolution. And just in case I wasn't clear, this is not this is not homework for the oppressed. I've had to do some work recently around my perceived enemies, my external enemies. Because I do have like the sensation sometimes. Well, it's just like we just need these people to fucking figure it out. And then I think, am I self-sabotaging? Like, I'm pretty good at finding the solution to problems. And one of the keys to finding the solution to the problem is, like, don't hitch your wagon to anyone else. Like, don't don't put your happiness in anyone else's uh, control. So if the only way I'm going to be happy is these people outside of me change their behavior, they change who they are inherently as people... How long are we going to fucking wait for that? I do think everyone's going to wake up and stop being such a fucking shitbag, but that could be six years from now. So what can we do right now? Um, what can we do with other, with other resonant souls? What can we do? Can we get separate? You know, that, I mean, that's honestly where my mind is. When I'm like, what if I, what if I was like given the ability to lay the groundwork to fix this fucked up country, for example. And the only thing that isn't inherently fantasy is to separate into smaller groups of resonant souls and eliminate every, uh, every like precedence of getting in each other's shit. 
I mean, I don't, I don't agree with the fucking government and all the meddling. And I think it's, I think it's odd that it's a legal thing, whether or not people can get a boy. It's fucking weird to me. Like what the fuck? I think, uh, legal marriage and legal divorce. Like, I think these things are nuts. Like what the fuck do we need someone in our shit for? Um, a lot of it is like residue Christian stuff. I just, none of it resonates. Like the higher dimensional parts of me are like, we're autonomous beings. We're sovereign beings. Uh, I don't agree with a lot of the people that live here. I just like, why don't we just go somewhere else and just do what we want to do? Or we can sit here for the rest of our fucking lives and argue with people we don't agree with. These are not like, I don't know. These are things to think about. These are things to daydream about because that's kind of the, that's kind of all you can get done right now. It's creating the new world is to daydream about it. I don't know. I don't know what a fucking trip I'm on right now. I'm just going to leave that there. Plant that seed. Okay. So perspectives, every perspective is us, but it's pointed in different directions. The map to where, uh, how we create the new world is in that knowledge. I'll play with that more at some point. I want to get into a more micro version of that. I wanted to start to talk about the rebuilding of society, but I guess I'm not ready to talk about it yet. I want to get into it more in, in, uh, in personal relationships. I'm getting a lot, a lot, a lot of calls with this like anxious avoidant thing happening. So I, I want to spend some more time on that. I think this wound is coming up. This is the anxious avoidant trap is the mother wound. Okay. And when I say the mother wound, I think people think I'm talking about their actual mother. So for those of you that are not familiar with what the mother wound means, um, at some point our giant energy ball exploded so that we could start to experience individual reality. And first it split in half. The masculine energy split from the feminine energy. When they are healthy and conscious, the feminine energy, uh, how does he say it on that initiation show? The feminine energy is the creator and the masculine energy is the constructor. Okay, so she conceives it. She gives birth to it. He creates it. Like he um, brings it to fruition, whatever. He builds it. Um, these two energies exploded from each other and that was obviously traumatic. And the creation of all of reality comes from these two energies trying to reconnect. So that's what chemistry is. That's what love is. That's what fantasy or um, uh, romance is. It is almost impossible for those two energies to get back together until they heal all of the wounds of being separated. Once they separated, the feminine energy, which is not what we had presented to us, right? This like dainty, soft-spoken, fucking weak, needy. That's like toxic feminine energy. Like true feminine energy is like dark, death, and like powerful. And the masculine energy is like, fuck that. I'm going to get eaten. You're going to wear my skin, right? 
and then but they're so drawn to each other and when they get together it's good for like five seconds and then the masculine energy goes oh fuck i'm getting stuck and the feminine energy goes oh my god it's gonna leave and then she tries to engulf and then he goes oh my god she's engulfing and he runs and then she weeps and it's just and whatever this isn't gender this is how these energies work and we all have both of these energies inside of us these dynamics not specific to gender are playing out for most people in their relationships right now people who had like fine secure relationships are now experiencing this dynamic and a lot of that is because the pandemic took the what took our like things we used to hide behind right we used to have we used to hide our avoidance behind all of our busy activities and now we don't have that we're stuck around each other so i want to talk about this idea of perspective in relationships so here's what happens you fall in love with someone right as an avoidant and i think avoidants get a lot of shit and it's i think it's actually probably harder to be an avoidant as an avoidant your core fear is being trapped that's it. You're afraid of being trapped. You're afraid of being engulfed. You're afraid of losing yourself. As an anxious preoccupied, you're afraid of being unwanted. You're afraid of being left. At the core, though, it's being unwanted. I'm also pretty avoidant. I am like have uh, the tendency to seek out like colder partners to avoid, like to deal with my own avoidance. Because if you emote too much, I'd probably freak out as well. Maybe not now I'm healed, but, um, so in the, in relationships, so you got a, an anxious and avoid because the fucking ADD is off the hook. So you have an anxious avoidant relationship and when the anxious person gets triggered or gets knocked off of their square, an anxious person, an anxious preoccupied attachment style person needs closeness to reset. That's it. It's not that crazy. Uh, it's actually pretty easy to catch it early. If you catch it early, you got a conscious person who's got an anxious, preoccupied attachment style. They have tells. It becomes obvious when they've gotten thrown off of their square. If they're like me, I have like shame in the fact that I need that. And I didn't even admit the fact that I had emotional needs until like a year ago. So it was way worse. It would like come out of me sideways. Now I've gotten better at being like, <clears throat> I need love or whatever. Um, now, an avoidant attachment style gets knocked off of their square. And anything can knock you off your square. This can be stress. This can be uh, a song that reminds you of a past thing. This could be your partner. This is a big one right now. Your partner does something that reminds you of a partner in a past traumatic relationship. And next thing you know, you're both in your old trauma and you're like projecting that onto each other. When an avoidant is thrown off of their square, they can only feel better if they get distance. And to the anxious, the idea that you can only feel better away from me is like proof that I'm unwanted. But it's actually just how this person is wired. It's just like they can't reset with someone else in their energy field because when they get triggered, they immediately start to feel trapped. And so their reality is distorted. They're projecting a distorted reality where someone is trying to trap them. Someone is trying to trick them. Someone is trying to take their freedom or engulf them. They're playing that masculine energy. And the best way to, to keep a, a avoidant partner 
from completely deactivating is when you start to see them get off their square, just back way off and let them go have their space and then they'll reset and come back. But it's like the opposite of what the, the anxious wants to do. The anxious sees like that the avoidant is triggered. They want to do, they want to give the avoidant what they need, which is closeness. And then the avoidant goes, Oh fuck, I am being engulfed. And then they go away inside of themselves or they like create, distance in some other way and then the anxious goes holy shit i am unwanted and then they cling more and then these two end up fighting like they're enemies and these are people that love each other these are people that at the beginning of the day were completely fucking in love and now they're like i knew it i knew you were the fucking story that i've told myself a million times that i've experienced over and over again i knew you were gonna i knew you were insecure is the catchphrase right it's the because to the avoidant, they think they are secure and the anxious is insecure. And to the anxious, they think that the avoidant is like out to get them and is like fucking with them and is like tricking them and, and, and hurting them on purpose. Neither one of these things are true. You're not more secure because you are avoidant. You're just wired different. Someone having emotional needs does not make them like weak. They just react to things differently. You actually have emotional needs. And if you're in a relationship with an anxious, your needs are being met like all the time because an anxious are preoccupied with the relationship. So they're pretty focused on making sure that your needs are met. So it's kind of a luxury in one of these relationships for an avoidant to be like wanting space. But on the flip side of that, the avoidance not fucking with you. They're not trying to hurt you. They're not out to get you. Uh, they need what they need to reset. And them needing space is not evidence that they don't love you. It's just they come back to center in a different way. So what happens in these dynamics, because they are often attracted to each other, and we are attracted to each other because we are trying to heal the mother wound. That's the whole reason we're here, is we're trying to heal this goddamn wound. So that's why it's so important on this podcast that we talk about these dynamics. These dynamics play out in everything. They can play out in your relationship with your parents, in your relationship with your kids, your friendships, whatever. For the sake of this conversation, I'm going to use the example of a romantic relationship. So I have, um, obviously when I found out about attachment styles, I was identifying, I was in a like, like way out of balance, one of these relationships. And, um, I kind of took the avoidance end up taking a bunch of shit. And in reality, avoidance and anxious preoccupied are the two sides of the same coin. As a matter of fact, most people are both. If you're not secure, you are both of these things and you might tend to be like, I'm pretty avoidant. So I seek out other avoidant or like at least like kind of cold, uh, partners so that I can, I can chase a little bit because it's more comfortable for me to be in that position. Um, when I get avoidant, I deactivate so hard that I kick people out of my life fast. So those relationships, the relationships where I wasn't, where I pick someone less avoidant than me, never last because I'm like, I jump quick. Most avoidance or most like secure people who lean more towards avoidance tend to like an anxious partner as much as they tend to pretend they uh, 
hate it. So here's the here's the typical meltdown. Here's the typical uh, way that the anxious avoidant trap plays out. Um, anxious and avoidant couple are happy, having a good time. Something happens to throw. Let's say they, it throws the avoidant off of their square. Something happens at work, puts them in a bad mood. In order to feel better about what's happening, they need space to themselves. They come home from work, bad day. They are distant. They are distant because they are trying to fix whatever their internal issue is. For the anxious preoccupied, there is hypervigilance happening inside of them. So the anxious preoccupied is innately preoccupied with their safety in a relationship. So for an anxious preoccupied, there is a 24-7 chatter going on in the back of their head about the safety of the relationship, the status of the relationship. Everything that the anxious preoccupied experiences when they're in a relationship, they experience it through the filter of the relationship. You can tell an anxious preoccupied because they often work their partner into every conversation. Um, that does not make them weak. That does not make them dumb. We all have made fun of it. I've especially made fun of it because I am it. Um, that's just how th that's just kind of the personality uh, profile. So the hypervigilance, which is like a supercomputer that is crunching numbers about proximity and body language and tone of voice and inflection and how long it takes to return a text, starts to get activated and is like, oh shit, they're being distant, they hate me. Time for a, an anxious preoccupied is like doesn't exist. It does not matter that everything was warm and fuzzy in the morning. In that moment, this alarm is going off. So typically for the anxious preoccupied, the only thing that resets them is close proximity. For the, for the avoidant, the only thing that resets them is distance. Is like they're both obsessed with proximity but in different directions. So then the anxious tries to get closeness. The avoidant doesn't give it. And then typically an unconscious anxious preoccupied will then start to complain. They'll do protest behaviors. They'll try to make the avoidant feel guilty about it. The avoidant will then go, oh, my God, you are fucking with me. You are trying to take my freedom. You don't actually care about me. You are trying to wear my skin. And then they will end up in a big fight, usually about some petty fucking nonsense that doesn't fucking mean anything. Now... As far as what a solution to this would be, would be for everyone to stay conscious of their tendency to revert to these systems when they are triggered, because ultimately these systems are your security system, and, and a conversation could have stopped this, right? Because once you get into this place where the, an the anxious starts to project their old trauma onto the avoidant and the avoidant who isn't talking about what they're experiencing is like, I'm already stressed out. I already had this thing happen at work. Why are you now also making about the relationship? My solution that I'm proposing that I haven't really tested yet is that the couple talk ad nauseum about this stuff like I do and then develop a system for when they are triggered by an external circumstance that they communicate that as quick as possible. And then whoever has communicated that they are triggered and need whatever their version of resetting is, the other partner commits to not getting triggered as well. Okay? So 
rather than being like, oh my God, I can't believe he's being distant. I cooked this whole dinner and he's not even talking to me. Sorry to use gendered pronouns right now. Um, you know, what the fuck? Everything, bah, 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 bah. rather than doing that, let's say the partner comes home and says, I got passed up for that promotion. I think that's a funny example in this group, but I got passed up for that promotion. I'm pretty triggered and uh, I'm going to need some space. You're loved. You're wanted. This has nothing to do with you, but I need to go inside and kind of deal with this. Boom. We've like, we've told the hypervigilance, take a fucking night off. We've let the anxious preoccupied know that you are loved and wanted. And although your, your programming is going to tell you this is about you, this isn't about you. I need some space. And now your partner is your partner. Because what happens in these situations, as soon as we start to do this shit where we project these movies onto our partners, they become our fucking enemy. And now here's the person who has your back, who's supposed to be helping you out of the rafters, is now the problem. And this is how these, these relationships just crumble. And then, but we're, then we're in a trauma bond and we're stuck in them for years. Likewise, this is what the, anx- the reverse of that is. The anxious preoccupied can get triggered by anything, but usually it's the relationship. Usually it's something around the relationship. Anxious preoccupieds have usually had several relationships with avoidance and trauma from their childhood. And therefore, there are a lot of things that make them go, oh my God, it's happening again. They're sensitive to things like likes on social media. They are sensitive to whether or not you hold their hand in public. They are sensitive to language that you use in reference to the relationship. Like all of that stuff, they have a fucking like program crunching numbers that like I've I've done a lot of work around hypervigilance. It's a trauma response. I'm not like people with trauma are not trying to fuck with you. And that's on both sides. Avoidance is also due to trauma. So what we end up doing, we fall in love with someone and then we use their trauma against them and make them our enemies rather than being like, this person has a different operating system than I do. So rather than like pointing it out all the time as a deficit of theirs and making them feel self-conscious about it or guilty about it, why don't I take it into consideration and meet them where they're at? And that's on both sides, you know? It, we we frame all avoidance like they're selfish and don't give a fuck about anybody. And we frame all anxious people like they're insecure. It's like, we're both fucking insecure. Like, we, this, the, neither one of these are secure attachment styles. You're terrified of getting eaten. That's not going to happen. I'm terrified of, of get, being unwanted. That's not happening. Like, those two things, I'm saying yours and mine, this is just whatever. I currently identify more anxious, preoccupied, and I'm not talking about my specific... This isn't my life experience in the present moment, but a lot of us are playing this out. I used to also talk an insane amount of shit about anxious, preoccupied women before I knew what it was, being exactly what I closeted was. So here's the reverse of that. And I'm just going through these scenarios because I feel like a lot of us have had this exact thing happen. The anxious, preoccupied gets triggered by a million things. can be a song, can be a fucking, can be also they have a, a triggering day at work. Then they come home and they need closeness. Like that's all that's going to fix it. If they're in a relationship, they need closeness. Um, And it doesn't have to be, you know, two months of closeness. Sometimes it can just be like a hug, some physical affection, sex, some eye contact, some just like just uh, in order for them to feel safe. 
they need that connection. They're often in relationships because like that's how they reset. They don't reset by themselves. It doesn't happen. It can happen. This doesn't mean that they are fucking, we're actually wired for this. We're actually wired to have a home base and a place to feel uh, secure. It's fine if that's, if people don't need it. It's also fine if people do need it. Now that said, uh, there's a whole lot of work to be done for the anxious preoccupied that like you can't vampire out of your partner. So uh, saying I need closeness today every fucking day to where they don't have a life like, you know, you can't take advantage of this. But there are ways when the anxious gets triggered that you could just check in and say, hey, I got triggered and I think I just need like if we curl up on the couch and watch a show or can you let me talk through this real quick or could you just like play with my hair, give me a massage like can I just like but we don't do that. We often don't do that. Anxious, preoccupied will often get triggered by something that they think they've picked up on a, a shift, a shift in the relationship. And so they immediately go into accusatory mode. And instead of using words, because this is all comes from childhood trauma, they start to use protest behaviors. So if you find yourself telling your partner like, oh, that's cool. You want to hang out with other people and not me. Oh, I noticed you didn't answer my text, but I saw you on Facebook today. Like you're not doing anything right there. You're not going to get the thing that you want. You're actually creating more distance. So using your words. And when I, when I, um, I want to say paint your feelings in finger paint get to the what the child inside of you is feeling because that's really where this is coming from like are you sad are you scared do you feel like someone's mad at you are you unwanted get to the core of that and just be honest with those feelings obviously all of this requires two partners who are honest and open about their attachment styles and committed to working through it in this situation um the the anxious often doesn't do that doesn't ask for what they want they hint at what they want or they they rudely demand what they want you can't rudely demand anything from an avoidant it'll make them want they're very obstinate which is hot but they are not going to do what you want it also like has never in the history of the world helped anything for you to make a passive aggressive shot about someone's uh deficiency in love so instead the anxious drops a couple hints the avoidant it's does not pick up on them and then the anxious writes an entire movie inside of their head about how they're not loved and they're not wanted and the love faded and blah 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 and then maybe they make a couple of passive aggressive shots maybe they get confrontational and say you know what you don't blah 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 when you could have just walked in the door and said um having feelings and even if it's a trigger a trigger that came from something in the relationship the moment the trigger happens saying, I'm triggered, I feel cortisol in my system, this might not have anything to do with you, can we talk about it? Some of this stuff feels like it makes it to where you're talking about your relationship, like, a lot. And that can be annoying, but when you think about how this is the mother wound, this is everything, this is the whole thing we're here to solve, is the mother wound. It starts to make more sense. I want to do an entire podcast on projection, but for some reason I couldn't get it out of me. There's something that happens when we, like, we get activated into this dance, this anxious avoidant dance, that we then start to play a movie onto our partner. And I have seen things happen where I have, like, 
my avatar has been taken over by somebody else's story and I'm doing and saying things that aren't even in my voice. And then I've watched it happen to other people. I've watched people in my life turn into someone I've been traumatized in the past. And it's so easy when that happens to go, I knew it. I knew you were just like everyone else, whatever. But like when you, when I step back, even when it's happening at this point, I go, Oh shit. There's a mechanism of reality that we don't quite understand in projection. And we do have like a legit projector that comes out of our forehead that like is the first layer of creating reality. And when that gets hijacked by your old stories, it just creates a fucking mess. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk about, and I just kind of wanted to drop this and leave it. I got to think about it more, but I thought this was interesting. I was talking about how I don't like weed. I haven't smoked weed in 20 years or something. And I'm like, I don't like it. It makes me self-conscious. And then I was like, why does it make me self-conscious? And it makes other people like creative. And then this narrator in my head said, because the self-conscious version of you is one of your selves and you store that self at that frequency, the same frequency as weed. So when you smoke weed, it accesses that frequency and activates that personality. Uh, what? Um, so I've talked before, like I do, like I talked about internal family systems. I do believe that sometimes what we write off as like moods is actually like several different versions of ourselves in our minds and that we would be extremely powerful and effective people if we learned how to control which version of us is at the microphone and at the control panel at any given time. And I believe this was a clue as to how to activate those. That if they're all stored at individual frequencies, then we can use things, like I wouldn't say weed, I would say sound, to pull forth the aspect of ourself that would best handle the situation. So I'm going to leave with that and let y'all think on that a little bit. I need some more time with it, but I thought that that was pretty, um, pretty interesting. Another thing I wanted to talk about is what we're in right now is the death of the actor and the birth of the writer in your life. Okay. And this is, this energy feels like we're wrapping it up, but we're probably like, this is like a transition that we are intensely in the death process of it and then intensely in the birth process, uh, intensely in the death process of it through 2020 and then the first quarter of 2021 in the birth. So, um, yeah, some of this was all over the place. I think I'm going to take a little bit of it out, but I just needed to get a fucking podcast recorded that isn't the worst thing ever. I think this is good enough. Um, Thanks for your patience. I've been really learning. I've been really taking the, the shit that I say to you guys to heart. And it's hard for me not to be productive. It's hard for me to be a mess. It's hard for me to just sit. I mean, I'm not just really sitting. But, um, you know, I couldn't get a good episode out. And I, I just was like, okay, I guess I'm not supposed to do that. And so I haven't put an episode out in a couple weeks. And trying to stay on top of Patreon. It's a little bit easier because it's like <laughs> I need people to talk to, but um, yeah, we have to do things from the feeling flow space as gods. 
rather than the productive space of worker bees. And we're getting there and we're going to have to stay in this fucking pause energy until we figure that out because otherwise we're going to be using worker bee energy to try to fulfill God creator shit. It's not going to work. So um, thanks for being patient with me. I hope you're being patient with yourselves. I'm learning to be patient with myself and um, there might be some readings open. I don't know. I just open them when I'm like, yeah, I think I'll be in a good space next week. So there might be some open. Um, I got some. I'm going to move across the country again. Fuck it. Uh, so I'll be a little bit busy with that. But um, imagination projects a little bit on hold. I've been too emotionally fucked up to, to really. I didn't have any space for it. So I'll be working on the awakening orientation department. When I have space for it again, um, and uh, I think that's it. Well, Patreon, if you're hungry for more content, Patreon has a bunch of bonus episodes at the $5 tier. At the $10 tier, $10 tier is the best tier. I think uh, we do a weekly energy reading. It's a live stream. We get together, talk about the energies. I draw some cards. Um, $20 tiers, all right. I don't like it as much as the $10 tier, so maybe don't waste your money. But $20 tier, we get together once a week. And we talk uh, in addition to the energy update and we talk about the most recent episode. So sometimes if I had a guest on, we get the guest on a live stream. They're fine. But I just uh, I've been really, really proud of the ten dollar tier. So and that's um, patreon.com forward slash Jessa Reed. You can just go to Jessa and find all of that. And uh, I'll talk to you guys soon.